Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Well, hey, everybody, what is going on? Today is Monday. It's the 20th of July, 2020. As you can tell, I am in the mobile studio. I'm actually heading out to the range, but before we jump in with all that stuff, let's go ahead and get that contact info out of the way. If you want to contact me, got the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. If you would rather record your own audio, or if you want to do an email, and I'll read that out for you on the show, the place to send that is firearmscafe at protonmail.com all one word firearmscafe at proton p-r-o-t-o-n mail m-a-i-l dot com if you want to head over to the website you'll find buttons for YouTube, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter there is also a PayPal donation button and if you like the show and ever consider supporting it financially you can go over there and click on that and it's easy peasy uh, I do have another favor I'd like to uh, ask of you to support the show, and that is if you think uh, you like the podcast and you think somebody else might like it, go ahead and recommend it to them. Share it with some of your friends, that type of thing. I'm kind of getting into the mindset of trying to grow the show again a little bit. All right, let's see. I think, is that enough of our, is that all of our housekeeping stuff? I think it is. Anyway, let's, let's, um, Let's talk a little bit about some behind-the-scenes stuff. So, the other day, on, uh, on the Armed Ape show, I had done some recordings and talked about a couple of movies. I talked about Extraction and Rambo Last Blood. And I was driving out to get my slide on the VP9, which is HK, to get that milled for a Trigicon RMR, the Type 2, it's an 06. So I took it out there, and uh, while I was out there, I, I actually had taken my uh, Shure microphone and a uh, the Zoom recorder that I record into. So I think maybe the quality is a little better, and I think maybe this is why what I'm going to tell you here in a second worked. I think why it's why it worked is because I had maybe a little bit better quality. Right now, I am using my iPhone and just using the voicemail and using the microphone that comes in the earbuds. Which, you know, in the past has worked pretty good. But what I'm going to try is I'm going to try to... Uh, I used a, a, a combination of kind of... Uh, different software that you can do in the edit in the uh, editing suite that I have and uh, did some noise reduction stuff and I think it turned out for the most part pretty good it made it to where it almost didn't seem like you were in the kind of in the truck with me or you know you've got that low kind of that hum or that drone that's sort of in the background so I'm, I'm going to try it again with this, and if it doesn't really work out that well with this, uh, sometimes what can happen is 
when you try and do the noise reduction, the microphones on these, I don't know if it just can't separate it as well or kind of what's happening, but it sort of redu reduces or knocks down kind of everything. And if you don't have a real good, a real good sort of bass sample type thing, it's something that that is is different for the for the software to um, differentiate, I guess. So anyway, I'm going to try it with this and see how I, you know, sometimes I like the, sort of the oh, what do I want to call it? Kind of the different feel of being in the mobile studio it's a different type of sound and and you can still hear it but i don't but I, you know i do like and prefer to have you know pristine audio especially you know in podcasting and things like that so uh, all right well enough of that kind of behind the scenes stuff as far as that so hopefully it will work if it doesn't it'll just be a regular uh, the regular um mobile studio sound you get when I'm driving around. So I had mentioned earlier that I had taken my slide in and I've been wanting to do this for a while. I had taken it into a place called uh, Southwest Precision Arms and they did a good job. I met with a guy, I liked him and everything and it was a decent price. I also got the slide, uh, the whole slide was Cerakoted the one thing, and I don't know, not exactly sure why, but the one thing that they don't do is they don't make what's called a cover plate for, so let's say if you just wanted to run iron sights for whatever reason, or you were going to maybe sell the gun or get rid of it later on, if you had that cover plate, it kind of makes the slide you know, look relatively normal. You know, you don't have that big milled out section. Uh, so anyway... They don't do that for the VP9. They they do it for Glocks and some of the other things, but um, not for the v, not for the HK VP9. So anyway, I went down there, got it done. I didn't get any special Cerakote color. I just went with a uh, just basically black that kind of matches the slide. But they, it's I think it's they called it Armorer's Black, which is you know something that's just oh. It's just the regular, it, I couldn't really tell too much of a difference. I mean, it, I guess, if, I don't know if I think about it, it's probably a little deeper black, a little richer black, which is fine. So what I'm doing today is I'm heading off to the range and I am going to sight that thing in and I'm going to that open range that's out in uh, Casa Grande, it's right outside of there. And it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit of a trip, but what's nice about this, and of course, if you're, if you're paying attention, you know that it's, uh, it's July out here, which means it's super, super hot. And right now, if I'm looking at the temperature gauge on the truck, it says it's about 108, and generally that's pretty accurate. So, the, uh... One of the reasons I'm kind of going out now, there was two folds. I had an errand to run, and so I was sort of out and about already. So I thought, well, I'll just go ahead, since I'll, I'll be relatively near where the, the range is. 
and the range that I've talked about before is that one where there's it's just a public range. It's open, so there's you sort of um, police yourself, mind your mind yourself, that type of thing. Uh, and I'm uh, one of the reasons why I thought, well, I'll go out now is because it's so hot. I don't think there'll be there'll be some diehards there probably, but for the most part, I don't think there'll be anybody there because it's just people just don't want to go out. You know, there's since there's nobody there, there's no target stands, there's no nothing, so you have to bring all your own stuff. Also, I uh, brought a tripod with me, so I will put the iPhone up and take some video and uh, show a little bit of me kind of shooting. It'll be kind of a relatively short video. I'm actually going to combine it with the um, I, I put the uh, RMR and the ceiling plate and everything on there on the slide and took some video of that so I'll do that and have that combined with some shooting and just get and just get the RMR sighted in now before on my uh, Glock 19 that I was running it on I was doing an RMR but I didn't I didn't I don't have that slide milled and what I did was I used a adapter plate that goes into the the rear sight channel, but it sits up. It, it just sits up high, and I can already tell a difference even just doing dry firing when I compare presentation and everything like that. It, it because the RMR sits so much lower, my kind of what I would call oh maybe learned presentation. It's way, I see the dot way, way easier than I did with the, uh, with it being up on that plate. So, uh, and if you were going to run a plate and never do the milling, you would eventually train yourself or, you know, uh, so where you would present the gun a little bit different than what you're used to. Or if you're brand new to it, it's really not going to make that much difference. It's just sort of going to be all you know. But I found that having that RMR, once I put it on the slide, and did a few dry fires and things like that, I found the dot way, way easier. So it comes with a, a ceiling plate. Now, the, and all that is is it's just a thin little piece of metal that is, is kind of the shape of the RMR. And what that does is it makes sure, I guess, that the battery is always in contact. Now, with the new, the, the 06 that I have, the, the RMR that I have is the Type 2. So if you look at the difference between a Type 1 and a Type 2, and most of you guys probably already know this, but for those of you that don't, there, uh, the, the RMR was, an, was an, uh, originally never intended to go on a reciprocating slide. So it wasn't really intended for a pistol. It was it intended more to um, go on a, a rifle or something like that, you know, where it's just, it's mounted and it doesn't, it's not moving all the time. And what would happen is it would, uh, the, the battery compartment wasn't oh, kind of made to where it, it really cinched and held that battery in there so that after a while, if that thing kind of loosened up or it moved around a little bit, it would cause you, you wouldn't have good contact with the battery and so the light would go out. And by the time, when I first bought my Type 1, I already knew about that stuff and was already aware 
of all the fixes. And so I was able to, uh, I, you know, they, they, oh, you can bend the prongs, and if you use this certain type of battery, um, you will, uh, it kind of mitigates that stuff. And I tried that stuff before buying a, a ceiling plate. And I, um, I had pretty good luck with it, and especially with that outer impact plate. Maybe, I don't know, it's, it's hard to say. But anyway, when I got all of that stuff is to say, I did get the ceiling plate with that. And even though it's a Type 2, and I can tell that the battery sits in there way better, um, and it sits in there tighter, and it, and it does stuff. Um, also, when you look at the underneath, how the battery compartment is put together is different. So they've made it to where even if it maybe did come loose a little, you're still going to have good contact. So anyway, all this stuff again to talk about the ceiling plate. So one of the things he had given me this little ceiling plate, which is a very thin little piece of metal, kind of in the footprint of the RMR. And again, the purpose is to make sure that the battery doesn't move. Or, or get jostled or come loose or anything like that. But when I, um, and I think they're probably just bolt cut, so they're not cut to the exact dimensions of your RMR. So that what happens is, at least on mine, it's sort of on the, on the right and left edges of it, We'll say on the base of the RMR. When I mashed it up and put it on the gun just as a trial thing, just to see how it would fit, that ceiling plate kind of uh, was just proud of the edge of the RMR. And it, I mean, because the, the plate is so thin, you, I felt, and it's, it's kind of sharp, I felt, oh, if you're really going through and racking the slide fast or you're doing something or it kind of slips, you run the risk of kind of cutting yourself. Um, so what I did was I took it out to the garage and I filed the sides down a little bit. I just clamped it up in the vise, took a file, worked it down until it was inside of that footprint a little bit. So it's, it's, it's not flush with it, but it's just barely on the inside. And I think I like that a lot better. And, um, oh, and I also dropped off, I think I dropped off the slide to my uh, Glock 17 that I've got. And I'm gonna have that milled, same thing. And I think the once I save up a little bit of money, after I pay this off and save up a little bit of money, I'm going to get a Holosan 50, I think it's a 507, which is the same footprint as the RMR. And I'm gonna try and rock one of those and see what I think on that on the 17. And if I really like it, you know, I'll be able to switch it around between any of my other uh, pistols. So we'll kind of we'll kind of see how that goes. Uh, but again, I did take some video of that. So if you guys wanna go over to the website, if you wanna go over to firearmscafe.com, you can click on the you can click on the button there and it'll take you right to my channel and then you can check that thing out. By the time you hear this, because when I get home today, the first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do the video and put the video up so that uh, 
I have that thing edited and it's out there and then that way you can uh, if you want you can see that because a lot of times I think oh I'll do this and, and I end up doing the show I put the show out first and then I drag my feet or something else happens and I can't uh, I don't have the I don't have the video edited and, and so the show's out so I'm going to try and do the video first and then the show second and hopefully I'll get all that stuff maybe done today we we shall see so on a little different so that's kind of about all the gun stuff I got for now and going on so if you've oh um, so with the with the RMR my first one I had the I think it's the 6.5 dot and with this one I'm going with the 2.3 and some people have the uh, what do I want to say like the the uh, philosophy or the the idea of if you're having it for concealed carry maybe you're better off going with a bigger dot if you're using it for more precise shots maybe or you know you're going to have it maybe more in competition things like that maybe you're better off with the smaller dot because with uh, you can get more precision out of the smaller dot and i have now i haven't shot the smaller dot but i have shot the the bigger dot of course because i I'm just now getting the thing on my gun. But I do think, I, and I noticed a few times when I was really trying to see how close I could get stuff when I was at the, at the range and shooting things. I did, when you get a little bit of distance with it, and this is, you know, like 25 yards and out, your target, if you're trying to shoot small, your dot does kind of obscure things a little bit. So again, the smaller the dot, the better. Also, the, the one, the uh, RMR that I have, my first one that I got a long time ago, the Type 1, it's the auto, and there's no way to... Now, I got it. I think it was some ridiculous sale, like it was $150 or something, because they had just come out with the Type 2, and they were just saying, yeah, get rid of these, get rid of these, get rid of these. And so they did a little thing where they just blew some of them out. Because uh, I think some places thought, oh, we're stuck with these. We're never going to, you know, we're never going to get these. But anyway, so I, I figured even if this thing doesn't work well on a pistol, I can put it on maybe my 1022 uh, or I can put it on, you know, a uh, one of my ARs or an AK or something like that. And we'll see how it does. And I can do the workarounds that way. But like I said, it works. It's so far so good. And I also did when I um, originally installed that on the plate and everything, I did the Loctite and I marked the screws. They haven't backed off at all. So it's, it's done well. Oh, and that's one other thing that I've got left to talk about with the RMR stuff. So on, and you'll see in the video if you watch it, there's two little kind of location tabs up in the middle on the front just to help you kind of locate where the thing goes and to keep it from maybe it helps lock it in a little bit more and then behind you have where your screws are you have those hold and, and those are threaded and he said and the and uh, brian was saying oh i you know i go as deep as i safely can on these and even doing that the screws that i got from that came with the RMR, that came with the Trigicon, were just a little bit too long. So they didn't, 
they screwed down, but they didn't quite go into the housing enough before they bottomed out. So, you know, I don't know. And if I had no other screws, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. I could have just filed them or sanded them down, you know, a little bit at a time. And then, you know, run them through a tap and die, run through a die real quick just to clean up the threads. So that wouldn't have been that big a deal. But he gave me, he actually gave me two sets of screws. And I ended up using the one that was just slightly longer. Uh, I thought that I, uh, they still went in and, and kind of flushed up or, or set down in to the, uh, oh, what's it called when you... Oh my goodness, I can't believe I can't think of the word right now. Uh, when you basically, you ream out the hole so that you get the stuff in there. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll think of it later and I'll yell it out. Uh, but anyway, it doesn't, it, um, it wasn't quite going down in there to where it was sitting fully, uh, fully in there with the longer screws from Trigicon. And the shorter screws that he gave me were fine, but I, I said, well, let me try the other ones. I tried the other ones and they went down they uh, countersink that's what it is so they weren't going into the countersink and uh, with the with the original Trigicon so it sat up just a little bit which made me think oh this thing has then potential to move around so I tried the shorter screws they worked okay but then I tried the little bit longer screws that he gave me they worked better I thought because they still went in they stopped and they 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 went down into that countersink so it should be pretty rock solid. I also marked those screws and did some Loctite on them. The Loctite I have is a little old. I do have a newer bottle, but I figured I'll use this out. We'll see how that does. I won't be surprised if they kind of walk out a little bit, and if they do, I'll just re-Loctite them, uh, that type of thing. So I think that's enough of RMR stuff, except for one more thing. Well, it will be enough of the RMR, but it'll be a little bit more of the Holoson stuff. If any of you guys have experience with that, let me know. I'm still going to order. I've heard nothing but good things. And I've heard good things from people that uh, kind of uh, uh, that I've seen. Well, so I've heard good things. Boop, 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 boop. So let's, let's talk about, so before we jump off of red dots, let's talk a little bit about the Holosun. Now I've seen some in gun shows and I've seen some in gun stores, but I've never actually shot one yet. And I'm really interested in getting one because I like the reticle. I like the, I like the uh, circle dot. I like just having, I like that you're able to sort of cycle through those. I think it gives you more options. Some people say, ah, you know, you're just going to end up using the red dot. Maybe. But let's say that I don't like it on one of the pistols. Well, I can always put it on, like I said, an AR or an AK or something like that. And that circle will give you really quick acquisition. There we go. So, but if any of you guys out there have one, I'd love to hear your experience. Now, I've seen the videos with, you know, within range with Carl and those guys, Carl and Ian and, and, uh, and uh, with Russell. And, you know, they, and especially Carl, 
has nothing but really but good things to say about it. He says they're, they're super rugged, and those guys are out shooting stuff all the time. You know, they put the guns through their paces, do all this stuff. So, uh, but I would like again, if you have one and you've had it on your either on your pistol or your rifle, and you've liked it, or you didn't like it, you said, "Oh, you know what? It, here's what I didn't like about it. Here was mine. Did you have good or bad experience with the customer service? Uh, that type of stuff." So. That, I think, is going to be the last stuff on the red dot things. So let's take a... We want to talk a little bit about politics as as, uh, as relates to gun world. And I guess we can do that a little bit. So again, not a whole lot has changed for us out here in Arizona land. We do have our Senate race that is going to be, I think it's going to be super tight. I don't, I think uh, the candidates are Martha McSally, who's Republican, and then Mark Kelly, who is running on the Democratic ticket. Boy, I think it's going to be a tight, tight race. I think she might squeak by. Just because there's still a lot of people out here in Arizona. The majority of people are more conservative, I think. That's slowly, slowly changing. But you have a lot more conservative people out here, I think, um, than you do the Democrat. Well, I guess I'd say maybe liberal. And even though we've had a big influx of people from California and from other states that are slowly maybe changing things, at least here in the big city in Phoenix. You know, that's your... Phoenix and Tucson are your major cities. So... I think, though, that they generally say unrest usually helps the the conservative, because generally conservative party is at least seen to be more law and order. And I think what may happen with this election, at least on the state level, is people are going to say, like, well, what happened in Seattle? What happened in uh, you know, some of these other places? And what, what happened in St. Louis, you know, with all, all this other stuff? You know, I don't want that to happen here. Um, so I think maybe she will. They're really doing a thing, the, the ads that I've heard when I listen to the radio if I'm driving around or something like that. Her ads are more like Kelly's in the pocket of the Chinese. I don't know if that is the way to go. Um, I think what she really needs to focus on is, you know, Kelly is going, and, and what I would do is I, if I were her, I would say, look, We've had a lot of unrest and with the pandemics and everything going on, we don't know really what's going to happen. We've been pretty lucky so far and most people have been, you know, good and kind, but there's a lot of people out there that aren't so good and aren't so kind. And if you put somebody like Mark Kelly into the Senate in Arizona, you're going to have two Democrats. He will 100% vote to take away your guns. And in Arizona, that's something we value. And that, that's the type of thing that she needs to do. And do stuff where it's going to be very hard for him to walk back anything. 
uh, because I don't know how you could say, like, well, what if, there's, if, what if this pandemic stuff occurs? What if there's more civil unrest? You want to take people's guns away. You want to make it to where that they can't defend themselves. And at the same time, your party seems to kowtow to the mob and to people of riotous nature. And your, your party is one that supports defunding of, of police. Now, whether you, know, you think that there should be reform or you know, blah, 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 that's, that's a discussion for a whole other day. And we can talk about that because I have very strong feelings on that. But I think, oh boy, I don't know. I think I, if though, again, if, if, if McSally loses and she's kind of, to be, to be honest, she's kind of, I don't know. There's something about her. Doesn't seem relatable. Doesn't seem. And one thing I'll say about Mark Kelly, he seems to have a little bit more personality that he can project. Martha McSally doesn't seem to have that. And she needs to, you know, get that out there that she's, you know, I, I don't know. She comes across maybe a little bit kind of as a wet blanket, if that makes sense. So anyway, we shall see. I don't know. Do you guys think that uh, Trump is going to get reelected? Oh, also another thing. Uh, earlier we talked, you know, I gave the... the uh, stuff for feedback and we did get some feedback and I will play that uh, but that will I will do when I'm at the home studio uh, and then we'll kind of answer that stuff so and I think there's some stuff in that about kind of the media and some of the other things and so we'll talk about that and kind of what we think is going on with there you know whether you're going to agree with a person with their feedback or not eh, doesn't matter uh, the guy's putting his, his opinion out there. And, uh, you know, I value that. People have sent stuff in the past that I don't necessarily agree with. But I can disagree with you and not hate your guts. And unfortunately, man, we're seeing that. Just, it's so, so prevalent that and that identity politics is kind of like, and, and, and people, the, the second you disagree with them, boy, it's all out war. I am getting to a place where the road is super rough, so I'm going to sign off for now. And uh, probably I will pick back up on the way back once I get back on the actual freeway. And I'll let you know how everything went as far as with the siding in and all that stuff. All right, I will talk to you guys here in just a second. Hey, my friends, I am back. And I tell you what, if you want to see a big Sasquatch man sweating his beanbag off and the aftermath of that, go watch that video. Uh, and, and stay tuned till the end where you see me all red-faced and sweaty in the truck after having been out in the 106 or 8 degree weather, whatever it was. Woo! Man, I tell you, I am not acclimated. And it's funny, at the very end, when I was nearing the end of what I was doing, I could feel uh, like the physiological change. You can, especially when you're not used to it. Now, if you maybe were out here maybe for the first time from somewhere else, uh, 
and you weren't because I've been out in Arizona for a long long time since I was probably in sixth grade I think so I've I understand and then part of the time I lived in Nevada which is hot too I lived in Las Vegas so part of the what you can if when you're out in the heat a lot where you've been out to where you were out in the heat a lot. I used to do a bunch of delivery during the summer and everything. And you can start, you, you start to recognize the signs of, oh, okay, I got to get into some AC or I got to start drinking major water or I got to do something to get out of this heat because I can feel some of those changes. It doesn't mean you're shut down, doesn't mean you're in risk, but if you if you if you say well I'll just push on through you can really kind of hurt yourself that's where you can fall into heat exhaustion uh, heat stroke I've had a couple of times I've had uh, heat exhaustion pretty bad and one of them when when it was when excuse me uh oh here come these things I don't know if you hear them I'm on a ramp and it goes like a, a circle thing so it makes you gives you those to make you slow down so anyway, one of the times I think I was 17 or so, and I had been out in probably 110, 112 degree weather and had had to go to a, a, our, our warehouse, which wasn't climate controlled at all, had to load up the truck, had to do a bunch of uh, delivery. I was delivering oxygen canisters and things called oxygen concentrators. Uh, we, at the time, my parents owned a home health care business and so when people would get out of the hospital but they would still need oxygen or hospital beds or porta potties things like that to, to continue their recovery at home I would go and set that stuff up for them that was kind of our business and we would rent that stuff to them generally their insurance took care of all that stuff but anyway and at the time you could have uh, the same quality or better beds than you could get in the hospital they were they were basically the same stuff if you compared it to the hospital beds today, those older ones would be dinosaurs, but of course that was back in the 80s. Anyway, I had been out all day doing stuff and I had drank up all the water that I had with me. I think I only had uh, a little, at the time, there really wasn't bottled waters. So we would carry a little, uh, I had a small little thermos that I would fill with water and I had drank that up super quick. And uh, I was pretty far out from the office and when I got back into the office, oh my gosh, I, uh, there was one of the secretaries that was there and it was just me and her that day. And I came in, I was just so red faced and I just dropped to the ground and she was like, oh my God, what's wrong? And I'm like, oh, I just need to recover. I need some water. So she went and uh, at the time we had, you know, a drinking fountain in the office. And so she went and got me like three or four glasses of water and I just pounded them down. I felt kind of nauseous after I drank them but you know after about 15 minutes I felt a lot better again part of that quick recovery is I'm sure being 17 years old and you know you're at that age you don't really think of yourself like that but you're kind of like Wolverine you can recover pretty damn quick anyway all that to say another time I was out hiking around out here and it was supposed to be an overcast rainy day and when I went out it was sort of overcast and the temp was okay and I had hiked way out and as I was coming back, it just got brutal hot. And it was that same thing again where I only had at that time, oh, when was this maybe 10, 12 years ago maybe? 
I had uh, I had also taken one of my rifles out to go to go out and do some shooting and I was about oh maybe halfway back and this is when they had just closed off the BLM land to uh, to motorized traffic and I stopped a couple of times and I was drinking my water and I saved about maybe four of the 16 ounces that I had left because I figured well I gotta you know if I need to kind of do one final push I need to save this and drink this at the very end and it's funny your mind when you get kind of that hot and you start to get into that heat exhaustion your mind starts playing tricks I had a kind of like a boonie style hat on and I was I had sweat but it was so hot that the sweat would dry but the inside of my head at the time was still a little moist because the hat had, had soaked up and was trapped trapped in a little bit and part of me said oh yank this hat off and you know, open up your shirt and kind of cool off. That little voice kind of came in. And then another voice in my head was like screaming, don't do it, you idiot. Make sure, you know, keep that thing on, keep your shirt on, keep your skin covered. Uh, and at the time I had like a, one of those Columbia real thin, breathable long sleeve fishing shirts. And that's another thing people think, oh, when you go out into the desert in the summertime, wear a short sleeve shirt you should actually have if you're going to be out there for a long time you need to have pants not shorts and long sleeve shirt if it's real hot because you need to keep that sun off of your body otherwise you'll just cook you'll burn uh, so anyway i uh stopped and then i kind of I, I again i felt that thing and then i started walking back and i thought man maybe i'll just drop the rifle here get out to the truck get cooled off and then say F it, open the gate up, drive back here, pick up my rifle, my other stuff, and then just drive back out because I, I won't, I'll beat the heat. And, you know, and, and granted where I was, there was no, there's nobody out there. The odds of me doing that. Now, if I caught, if I got caught, it would be probably some $250 fine, which I would have been fine paying, but probably if some, BLM guy or some ranger caught me and I explained what happened, he'd probably just say, I get the hell out of here. Maybe. If he was a dick, he, you know, he wouldn't. He would just say, well, you're getting a ticket. Next time, bring more water or whatever. And you know, the thing of it is, is I used to, when I would, when I would come out and I would always hike around in this spot, I used to would carry uh, a couple of uh, canteens, 32, 32 ounce canteens, and I would have a camelback filled with icy, icy cold water. And, you know, th that day, you know, and of course I learned my lesson, I'll never go out to the desert without a ton of water, way more than I need. So anyway, let's, uh, let's pull back from my near-death experiences. Oh, and by the way, if, uh, if you guys have any experiences like that, either heat-related or cold-related or stuff like that, shoot us in an email or a... Uh, Maybe a voicemail or, or record your own audio or I meant to say audio. You know, shoot us in some audio and share some of the lessons that you learned. You know, again, for me, the lesson that I learned was make sure you got that water, son. So, uh, let's see. Let's talk about how the range time went. If you watch the video, I don't know if I got some, but there are, uh, 
it's hard when you're filming yourself. I wasn't sure whether I was in camera. I'm kind of in there. I'll have to see how the footage is when I get home. But I was having the first magazine that I shot, and I had ordered, I think, I don't know if I told you guys, I had ordered the HK finally came out with the uh, 17 rounders. And so I think what they did is they maybe did a little bit of uh, follower change. Maybe I'm going to take both out. They look the same. The magazine's bodies look the same. I think they just drilled two more holes and stamped in two more numbers. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the spring and follower out of one of my 17 round magazines. And I'm going to put that in the 15 round magazine and see if it will load and then one of the days when I can when we're not swimming in pandemic excuse me there uh, what I'll do is I will head to the range uh, the indoor range and I'll shoot those and see if that's the case now the funny thing is at least right now I haven't seen maybe they're out there if there are let me know I haven't seen any of just the guts so let's say if they've done a new follower and a new spring I haven't seen those because you could easily then change up all your if you wanted to you could change all your 15 rounders into 17 rounders and I guess you could just get a pair of mics and measure it out and then if you you know I wouldn't be afraid to do it but you could drill in a couple of little witness holes and just you know uh, deburr them and clean them out real good uh, what was I talking about oh so I brought some of those I brought those seven three of those 17 round mags out and then I brought another 15 round and I shot some of those and I was shooting some of my old reloads because I thought you know I've got some good ammo and I just need to get rid of this reload stuff and I'll give you a little backstory on this uh, after I tell you kind of what happened and some of you can already guess if I'm talking about reloads so I I had these reloads and I was thinking you know what I'll just I'll, I'll shoot these up and get rid of them I had originally loaded them to my Glock 17 and I had done a thing where I was like okay let's see the least amount of powder that I can get away with and have it function reliably and again this isn't self-defense ammo it was just range ammo so it didn't really matter too much and I had worked out kind of the formula for that and I got it to where they were fine in the Glock. However, lesson again, lesson learned. So I, I did load them. They were sort of loaded to spec, but they were on that tail end, that very low end of powder. Uh, and also, I think I could tell a little bit of difference in some of them. The seating depth was a little different on some uh, when I was just kind of looking at them in the box and stuff. So I think that may have had some, some effect on what happened. So I was I I shot maybe I don't know five five to six rounds, pretty much no problem, and then I started having uh, failures to feed. And so on, on those, I think some of them were. It was probably a combination of two things. One, I think the seating depth wasn't maybe as as, as deep as they should have been. And two, and this is probably the one that I think is the most important, is that it, there wasn't enough oomph, there wasn't enough powder, and it wasn't con um, transferring enough energy back to move that slide. Now, who knows, maybe 
with the weight of the RMR, maybe that makes a little difference. I don't know that it would because you've all, I've also milled out the metal. So I think it may be kind of a wash, uh, but maybe the geometry of the slide, how it works with the RMR on there, maybe kind of far-fetched, I think, but maybe that had something to do with it. When you, again, we, a lot of times we talk about stacking of tolerances. You know, when this is just off a little and that's off a little and the other thing is off a little and one more thing is new, you know, sometimes you can have some stuff where it's just, it, it all adds up to make it to where it's not going to work right. So I had a couple where they weren't ejecting, the slide wasn't locking back. I had several, that happened several times. The, uh, and it wouldn't feed, I had a few, you know, several times. I had it where it wouldn't eject. And again, I think there just wasn't enough oomph in it. I've shot tons of factory ammo through it. And at first I thought it's the magazine and that's why I switched over to one of my old 15 rounds that's super broken in. But again, I think it was pretty much ammo related. Uh, I, like, I will go and shoot some factory ammo through all these mags, the, all my new set. I got three 17 rounders and I'll shoot those through there and see how they do. And it could be just a thing of, hey, these springs are new. Maybe they need to be broken in a little bit. Maybe the follower needs to kind of, you know, they're plastic followers, but you got a metal body. Maybe there's a little bit of drag in there that needs to be done. Again, I doubt it. I, you know, I don't think that was the problem. Could be, though. So we'll have to see. So let's talk about kind of the performance of the RMR. So when I first started shooting, I did like the dot. I liked being able to adjust it. Uh, so I got it to where it was nice, you know, out in the super bright sun. And I was able to, to uh, I had it adjusted for inside the house and I was able to kind of click it up one, about two clicks and it did pretty good. That is something that, you know, when you watch some of these videos about these guys, when they're like, oh, I'm out in the super bright sun. And if it's, if your dot isn't bright enough, you can kind of lose it a little bit. So I guess that's, that does sort of make the case a little bit for if you're, um, if you're going to, if you would like to run backup sites, even if you just ran a, a higher front site and then you use your back window, almost like a ghost ring, just to get sort of, you know, kind of on target a little bit. Anyway, I saw through the glass pretty good. I thought the glass was fine. Didn't really have any distortion. There is, it is a little bluish color wise, which is fine. I don't really care about that. The first three shots that I did were pretty much all in one, pretty much one hole kind of stacked on top of each other. Uh, so much so that you, you couldn't really, you could kind of tell it was three and not really. But I mean, it was, you know, dead on. But I was a little, from where I was aiming, so point of impact versus point of aim, I was probably about I'd say inch and a half maybe an inch and three quarter over and an inch and three quarter uh, over to the left excuse me and about that same amount high so I adjusted it shot it around a bunch uh, but then I started having so many malfunctions that I kind of started getting I think a little frustrated and my um concentration kind of lagged the heat was you know it, I was fine with the heat toward the end it started getting to me a little bit but I was fine with that and even 
through, I went through several adjustments and I just started shooting around on the target so I'm not shooting at the same place. And I think I got it dialed in okay. I would still like to go in with some good, just factory ammo, shoot that, see how that's gonna do, and then also take and, and uh, I probably need to buy another box if I can get a hold of it. A couple more boxes of my the defensive ammo that I like to use, shoot that through with there and see what I'm doing and get that zeroed in with that. Because the reality is, that's what I carry in the gun 90, you know, 99% of the time. Uh, and then the other, you know, 1% is when I'm at the range. And so if, if it's a little off when I'm at the range, no big deal. So all in all, I'm happy with it so far. I'm happy with the, um, with the performance of it. I think I do like the smaller dot. I'll go back and shoot the other dot as well and kind of see what I, how I do and do a bunch of dry fire with, you know, switching back and forth between both and kind of see what I think. I'm trying to think if there's anything else about the range time there. Oh, when you go to the video, you'll see, unfortunately, so the, the I think it's Pinal County Public Range is what it's called, I think is the name of it. Anyway, they have that uh, Sumbrella material that you, that they use for shade. And I took a little bit of video of it, but you can tell people like are shooting it with shotguns and shooting it maybe with uh, you know other stuff, and they've you know, shot holes in it, which really is disheartening. And I'm sure it's probably you know douchebag people that well I don't, know, I don't want to get too far down into that, but it's it, again it's it's disheartening to see that because it is it really is a neat place. It's a place that you can go and you can shoot for free. You don't have anybody there riding your butt. You don't have any safety Nazis there. I don't know of an incident that has happened there. I think everybody is pretty safe. Everybody's super friendly. I've never, well, let me, before I say never, I do not think I've ever been there where somebody has been a, uh, a jerk or somebody has been doing unsafe stuff. I've never seen that and I've been there quite a few times. You know, not a million times, but I've been there a bunch. And for me, from you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a drive for me to get there, but it's worth it. I really like it, so. And people would say, well, you know, you're, you're spending money in gas and probably the, you know, the money I would spend in gas is about the same amount of money I would spend at a range. And I still go to indoor ranges. I still, you know, support them and everything when I can. But sometimes it's fun just to go there because you can set your stuff up. You can, you know, shoot fast. You can draw from concealment. You can, you know, go prone. You know, you can do all sorts of stuff like that. So anyway, I think that's kind of it for my range experience uh, for today. Uh, like I said, go over. By the time you hear this, the video will be up. It may be parts of it may be kind of crappy, but it'll be all right. So go over there, check that out. And if you haven't, I've got, oh, I want to tell you too. I wanted to say thank you guys that did go over there and subscribe. I've got over 100 subscribers, which I didn't think I'd ever really get. So my new goal is I'd like to get, mm, I was going to say 1,000, but maybe I'd like to get 500 would be my next goal. And again... I know some people in gun world say, ah, you know, 
nuts to YouTube and we shouldn't, you know, do this and do that. But I, I do think we do need to maintain a presence on there. And a lot of people are still on there because it's the big, you know, it's the big thing. It's the biggest platform. But even, you know, a little channel like mine, you know, it still needs to have a presence. And the more of us that are on there, you know, at least we, we might have some tiny bit of influence. I don't know. Or maybe, you know, somebody sees it who's not necessarily pro-gun. Maybe they're not anti-gun, but they see it and they're like, oh, that guy seems okay. And uh, maybe we can put somebody on the path to conversion to making them instead of a, if not an anti-gun, instead of a middle-of-the-road person, bring them to our side. Uh, so anyway, you'll be able to go over there, see the video. Uh, I don't, like I said, I don't know how well I'm, I'm in the frame or if you can see the gun. I think you sort of just see the back of the gun from where I was standing. I thought I was, but a lot of times when you're by yourself, it's hard to make sure. And I was using the iPhone, so I couldn't see the screen. So before I jumped out of the truck, we were talking about some political stuff and and uh, talking about McSally versus Kelly. So we're going to have to see on that what's going to happen with Trump. Boy, I, you, I tell you what, with the pandemic, you think there is a run on ammo now. All the uh, pro-Trump people and the people who are... Republican who haven't been buying stuff because they think, yeah, I've got enough. If Biden gets in, woo, you're going to see people are going to panic, panic, and it's ammo is going to go up. So if, if you're low, go ahead and pay a little bit higher price now because then you've got it. And really, I mean, um, I think even for, well, nine millimeter of course the price on that is shot way up but you can still you can still get it so let's say if you're down to a hundred rounds or something you may want to go out bite the bullet a little bit buy 500 and have that be your you know your stash a little bit that you're not really going to dip into uh, until you replace it so if you were going to go to the range and you're going to shoot a hundred rounds buy a hundred round box and then you know that way you, you keep your 500 thing you, you always keep that pretty deep type stuff uh, so anyway like I said if if Trump does not get reelected with all I mean that the the left now and Democrats now are super vocal about being anti-gun they, they would bring back assault weapon what they would call their assault weapon ban and they've learned from the past you're not going to be able to have anything. And eventually, once, and I don't think they would put in any type of sunset clause. Now, no Congress is bound by the previous. So, in theory, if there was a big enough pushback and you got people in there that were pro gun, they could just strike it down and say, oh, you can have it. But I don't know. Anyway, we got. Uh, Speed limit here is 75. We've got two trucks that are just neck and neck going 65. So, thanks for that, guys. Appreciate it. Ah, the one guy finally got over. I don't know if some of those guys are limited on what they can do, but I know sometimes they want to pass the other dude, then the other dude sometimes kind of seems like they speed up and kind of screw with the guy who's trying to pass them. So, 
but I'm no trucker, so I don't know. I don't know the uh, what is it, politics and the um, manners of the road. What's copacetic and what's not. So I think what I want to close in on, and, and we'll kind of circle back to this the the pandemic thing and with what's happening with the riots and all that type of stuff. Those people that were in St. Louis, the couple, and oh, and then remember, we still got the I still got the feedback, so I've got another segment that I'll do when I get back. And I, and who knows, maybe some of this stuff I'll edit out because I'm kind of in the truck and a little distracted. Uh, but I, I kind of still, my gut kind of still s- says what they did wasn't the, maybe not wrong is the word I would want to use. But it wasn't, I didn't think the best tactics. Now, of course, I wasn't there. You, you don't see the whole footage. Again, part of my thing is, though, why would you come out of your house where you've got, at, at the very minimum, you, depending on what you've got in your house, you may be able to actually have actual cover if you had, you know, cement planters or you had a big stack of big, bookshelf or something like that that might help Uh, but you would at least get concealment you could run through the house they're not going to see where you are you could get up on higher ground as it looked like they had a two-story house that would make it harder for them to you know kind of see where you are and get a beat on you so you could you would have at least concealment but to come out of concealment unless they were coming up like on your porch or on your not necessarily just even in your yard I don't see I don't see the advantage to coming out of of concealment Um, and you also come by doing that you make yourself an easier target and if if one of the points I tried to make last time was if there were two or three protesters in there that were armed right and they came out and they're in the crowd you are to them you're you're the focus target for you as the person so as the person that came out of the house with the gun you may see one or two of them that has a gun if they've got them out and they're pointed at you but if they don't or if they take them out and they're in the crowd they've got it kind of at the low ready and all they have to do is wait for you to take your focus elsewhere and look on a different direction they just pull up and bang 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 and you're gone so again for me it's that idea of you're giving up more than maybe you're gaining I don't and again having said that and I say it again a lot but having said that I don't know where those people coming up on their yard in on in into their property where they come in on the door where they banging on the door or are they saying we're gonna drag you out of there and shoot and kill you or we're going to beat you to death, or we're going to burn your house down, that type of stuff. If that's the case, again, I don't know that I would come out of the house and give up a major advantage in in being concealed. And if my, you know, if if the wife or whatever, let's say, is at an upstairs window and and she starts shooting, and they start shooting. At, up at her and you're 
maybe in a different upstairs window or you're downstairs or you're on the side of the house and you've got advantage there, you can just start, you know, blasting at who's shooting if you had to, if they were going to start burning your house down, that type of thing. Again, it's, it's really kind of a no-win situation. It's like the old saying goes of the outcome determines whether you're a hero or a zero. So the outcome is going to determine and on how people see you on were you smart or were you stupid? Did you maintain advantage or did you give it up? And some people, because those people, number one, they didn't have to shoot or kill anybody. And they say, oh, their property was protected. It wasn't burned down. Well, I don't know if that was the original threat. Again, I, I, that's what the people said. Oh, they said they're going to, you know, they're going to kill us. They're going to burn our house down. They're going to shoot our dog. They're going to shoot us, all this other stuff. Was that stuff said after they came out armed? Or was that stuff being yelled to them in their house? I don't, you know, again, I don't, I don't know. I, but for, uh, for me, they didn't make the smartest play. And because, though, they didn't shoot anybody, and because they didn't get shot and their house didn't get burned down, some people say, see, they did the right thing. Now, I had, I think I saw an article that said that the people were being investigated. Some other people had commented on it. One was a, I think he was maybe the, he was, was he a chief of police there or somewhere? And, or maybe, I can't remember who it it was, or maybe it was just a, a criminal defense attorney who had said, said no. St. Louis, you know, or Missouri has pretty, has pretty solid uh, stand your ground laws type thing. So anyway, we'll see in the long term whether those people get charged. And if they get charged, again, does that kind of, and, and uh, well, I know for sure, if I remember right in the article, it said that the guy's AR got taken from him. So just for an investigation. Now, they could say that he was brandishing and maybe that's why. But again, for him, for so uh, that's another thing. So for me, the outcome for him is bad in that if that's the only long gun that that guy has, he doesn't have it anymore. And he's probably wealthy enough to get another one and, re- and get it replaced. But... Again, he's without for a while. I think I'm going to draw it for a close for right now. We'll drop in our feedback and we'll talk a little bit about that when I get uh, back at the old home studio. All right, guys, I will talk to you here in just a second. Hopefully this part hasn't been too rambly. Well, hey, everybody, I am in the home studio and we're going to hear some feedback that we got from Mel he does talk a little bit about some of the uh, stuff that happened with a couple in St. Louis and what is going on. Of course, by the time that I'm doing this part, it's actually, what is today, August the 3rd. So a lot of stuff has happened uh, since between then and now. And I'm not going to rehash some of the stuff that you just heard me talking about, but it is in kind of my opinion on what they did. And of course, you guys just heard that. And what we'll do is we'll go ahead and hear Mel's feedback, and then I will respond to that, 
and do a little bit of a wrap-up, and then we will call the show to a close. Hey, this is Mel from the Midwest with a voicemail for the Firearms Cafe. Glad to say you haven't dropped off the face of the earth and you put out another show. Several comments, by the way. I have no inside knowledge. I'm an ordinary, hardworking American citizen. Um, number one, with the people of McCluskey's in St. Louis, I think there were ordinary people, not super um, trained gun people who were confronted with the situation. And I think what they did was perfect because nobody died and their property was not damaged. They, they were protecting their home. Was it the best choice? Maybe not, but it worked out okay. And just for interest, the, the local prosecutor is a George Soros employee, and she's thinking about uh, potentially trying to prosecute them, but they did not violate uh, Missouri law, which has a castle doctrine. The point to that is also their attorneys, they could probably afford this kind of baloney, but simply being forced to interact with the judicial system uh, is a great expense to ordinary person. It's thousands of dollars, and you never know what's going to happen. So that's number one. Number two, another podcast I listened to, Blunt Force Truth, had two interesting things. There's many interesting things. Two highlight is number one, the police officer that, um, you know, restrained George Floyd did everything exactly by the manual. If you go look at that last one or two editions of Blunt Force Truth, I believe that's the podcast. Everything he did was exactly the manual, even including uh, what he said. Uh, so, yes, it looked bad, and maybe it wasn't the best, but he followed the manual exactly. Number three, with regard to the epidemic, um, I think it's being overplayed. If several years ago, the year that 60,000 people died flu, if the news media publicized those deaths the same way as this, we'd be in panic. And the flu vaccine gives us roughly a 40 to 50% chance of not getting it. So there ain't going to be no great vaccine by the end of this year that's going to make everybody safe. Uh, we have to manage this. But the news media is the propaganda wing of the Marxist Communist Democratic Party, and they're doing their job. Keep the population um, excited or fearful, and we are being groomed. It's grooming, just like a sexual predator grooms a young, usually girl, to continue to uh, let them be compliant by doing little things at a time. They're grooming us for totalitarianism. Do what I say, everything will be okay. So it's Mel from the Midwest with part two. I uh, got cut off there. We're being groomed for totalitarianism. Uh, the next time the, the government says do this, more people will comply. Uh, I'm not saying that it's being suspected. I, uh, on a surfboard, you know, uh, 100 feet from anybody off the beach of California is just a little bit over the top. So we're being groomed. The Marxists want to take over. And I'm sure that most Democrats don't realize this, and I don't even know if routine Democratic leaders realize what they're doing, but a few do. And you just follow their line, and they're going to be in total control in a little while. And if you read history, this is the way many other 
Marxist revolutions in Russia, um, Cuba, etc., more Russia than anything else worked on, went on, and it took decades for that to happen. So first, uh, take care of the cities, make them compliant, and then branch out. Listen, stay safe, stay free. Don't let the uh, the bad people get to you. And vote for Donald Trump. He's not perfect, but he's freaking better than the alternative. He probably really is in the mid to early stages of dementia. Have a great day. And thank God for America. Hey, Mel, thanks for sending that stuff in. I appreciate it. So let's go over some of that stuff in your voicemails. Like I said, I have already gone over kind of my opinion on the McCluskeys. And just to kind of reiterate, it's that thing of the outcome can often determine whether people view you as being smart or being foolish or, or making the right choice or not making the right choice. Again, it's hard to say. I don't know exactly what was going on there. So because probably they're not going to have any maybe long-term legal ramifications because of this, some people will say, okay, they did the right thing. However, they have exposed themselves and involved themselves with the system, with the legal system, which is something that you don't ever want to do. And even though they are attorneys, they may not be, and I don't know what type of law they practice, but they may not be criminal attorneys. They probably would, would have to hire somebody. Given the area where they lived, they probably have the money to do so, but you never really know on people's finances. They could be mortgaged up to the hilt and up to their eyeballs in debt. So Anyway, enough on those guys. I think I kind of already stated my position on that. Mel had mentioned a little bit about the George Floyd stuff, and I may go into more detail on this upcoming show and talk more about the the protests and the riots and all that stuff and kind of my opinion on that. However, one thing I will say about the police officers that were kneeling on them for that amount of time, even if it is sort of by the book, I don't think that we can look at that as justification necessarily for what was done to a person or how a person is treated. Because the reality is, if they would do that to George Floyd, there's somebody who would do that to your mother, or there's somebody who would do that to your young son. And maybe if they were in a car accident and they were a little, and they were disoriented because they had a head, they had head trauma and they're not going to follow the instructions, would you want that to happen to another person? And this isn't necessarily a, an attack on uh, Mel, and so I don't want people to think that that's what I'm doing here. What I'm trying to do is just throw this stuff out there for consideration. And unfortunately, part of the things when we talk about police reform, again, it's not just one thing. We have to look at what are the laws, why are they being enforced? Are these crimes that have victims? If there are victims, how far do we want to go in apprehending them so that you would treat somebody who committed murder differently than you would some treat somebody who had shoplifted? Both of those are going to have victims, but the amount of force and the amount of effort we want used on those people, or I guess I should say I want used on those people, is very, very different. Uh, let's see. What else were you talking about? Oh, a little bit about the media. Uh, you guys know I, I do not think that the media is uh, either the left or the right side really is any friends of ours. They all have an agenda. 
There doesn't really seem to be anything as far as I can tell that they don't have some narrative that they want to push. When you when you look at the far left, you see, you know, everything that Trump done is, Trump does is terrible. When you look at the far right, everything that he does is great and there's really no fault. And even when they say, "Oh, we find fault with him," they don't it, it's something minor like, "Oh, he didn't tie his shoes that day" or something like that. I do agree though that the uh, I, I don't know if if they're all pushing a Marxist agenda, I do know that they have their own agendas. I know that the politicians will use, I don't know if necessarily that the media is in bed with particular politicians or if that the politicians understand, certain of them understand. Most of the media has a super left-leaning bent, and so if I lean left, they're probably going to support me, and so they see that as a way to increase a hold on power. Again, most politicians want power and they want that power to be pretty much unchecked when it comes to themselves. Uh, now, maybe when it comes to somebody across the aisle, if they're a savvy politician, they would say that they want them to be in check. But if, uh, if again, if they're super savvy, they don't want that. They put on a lot of dog and pony shows, but a lot of those guys, especially old timer people, they say one thing in public and do another thing behind closed doors. So moving on maybe to the last thing as far as with the upcoming election and what do I think is going to happen. Uh, again, I think I talked a little bit earlier about that if if Trump is reelected, I think we'll see kind of a calm down in the gun buying frenzy and in the ammo buying frenzy that we're experiencing right now as of you know August 3rd, 2020. If, however, Biden gets in or if even if the Senate changes, and maybe the House, the House remains in control of the Democrats, but the Senate changes over to that. Uh, I think you'll probably see the the uh, the trend of people buying guns and ammo will continue. And you, what you'll see is that the maybe the people who are the conservatives who aren't buying that much stuff now, they're gonna you're gonna see panic buying like crazy. Now, if if Biden gets in and he wins, boy, it's uh, again it's the same stuff I said last time about Hillary, you're going to see it's, there's going to be nothing out there. So maybe my advice would be to, like I had said earlier, if you can find some ammo that you want and what you should do realistically is say, okay, I have a, a number in my head. Let's say that you want just to throw out an arbitrary number. You want to have 2000 rounds of nine millimeter ammo. And of, that's kind of like practice ammo. And then you want to have maybe 200 rounds of self-defense stuff that you just sort of keep uh, on the back burner type thing. And that's what I would do. I would set a goal for those. I would get that amount of ammo. And then after that, I would just sort of sit tight, kind of no, no matter what happens. And then you can occasionally buy a few boxes here and there to go out and practice with, but then I would keep that as my reserve. So whatever that number is. So maybe your reserve is, well, I could you know easily carry, you know, 500 rounds or something if I had to you know, bug out or whatever, if that's going to be sort of the scenario that you're going to going to play out in your head. But again, give yourself a number and then kind of stick with that stuff. So let's see. I think that will be it. And I think what I'm going to do, I think I'm going to start talking about the George Floyd stuff a little bit, maybe on the next show, talk a little bit about the riots, talk about kind of what I think you should do maybe some of the ramifications of that if you find yourself and get involved in that, because there's still 
every day it seems like there's new there's new stuff that's coming out of these protests slash riots, whatever you want to call them. Uh, but anyway, getting back to the last thing about who you should vote for, it's really none of my business who you're going to vote for. Uh, if you if you want to vote, if you don't, you know, it seems like every presidential election, it is always, this is the one that's for all the marbles. This is the most important thing ever. This election is different than any other election we've ever had. And I guess that really is a, oh, what do I want to say? The mark of having a a two-party system is that you're always going to just have A or B. So anyway, I think that will wrap it up. Mel, I want to thank you for sending that stuff in. I appreciate it. I appreciate hearing from you. Also, if anybody else would like to send in either a voicemail or email, the email address, uh, where you can also send your own recorded audio if you'd like to do that, is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. The voicemail, which you are limited to, I think, about three minutes, is area code 206 745 2731. All right, my friends, I will talk to you next time.
Yeah.